0: Um I was at WWDC and I was hanging out with Uli Witness and John Fox, I think. And there was like in front of WWDC, there's like this 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 um like this was in Moscone West still. And um there's this this platforms so like a few hundred meters away and it has like various very like there's like has a tiny playground, basically some benches for you to sit on. And there was a the, I wanna say a merry-go-round. And I was—I wanted to talk about this, so I—I I, I pointed towards the thing and said, "Look, they have a carousal," <laughs> because I only ever have read that word. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can see how that would happen. So, um, so John, like, like he kind of like comes closer and is like, "Are you experiencing carousal?" <laughs> <laughs> turns out you, I've, been ex- I, I've i have i've experienced carousel <laughs> that's what i've experienced <laughs> um yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm just learning english mind in the gutter first anyway david how have you been how
1: have i been um yeah yeah i've been good um So we spoke last week about my uh, sales blip, as it were, with the blip. Yeah. And it has been a blip. Um, So GoVJ2 launched, um, getting on for nearly three weeks ago now, certainly will be by the time this is out. And um, I had a lot of sales. I had uh, more than probably three or four times I would normally make in a month in the space of about 10 days, which was awesome. But I was, Mm -hmm. as we spoke about last time, I I, I was aware that this might not be the normal case. Uh, And we talked about the fact that I would sort of let it settle. And we're now a few weeks in and it has definitely sort of settled. Uh, I'm seeing probably more closer to like one or two sales in a week in the last week. So things have really just sort of gone all the way down, uh, and I think that's normal. I think what's happened is is that a whole bunch of people who were uh, previously using the original version of the app with the in-app purchase, or they purchased it ages ago, uh, have then seen this new version of the app and gone, "Yep, cool. I will. I will." buy the lifetime and that that saw that initial sort of blip rather than going to subscription they wanted to know that they had it outright and i think that fed some of those initial sales and now we're kind of getting closer to sort of what happens normally if i don't do anything else uh, which is where i wanted to be you, you, you told me yeah about, that's fair you know we, we had the conversation you sort of said to me well you need to get your finger out and start doing the marketing thing and i've done a little bit of that so i've posted to uh reddit Mm -hmm. and that's actually been quite interesting i saw a bunch of um extra traffic back to the website but nothing really converted to to sales when that happened but i think that's okay this is about having presence in places as much as anything else and that was a good place to to be not any real feedback there but it did get upvoted and uh they can be pretty merciless about downvoting if people don't like it. Oh yeah,
0: totally. So upvotes is good. Upvotes is good, definitely. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I I need to go and do the the broader market push, which I am going to do over the next couple of days. And I don't expect that's going to really give me very much, which is another reason I've been dragging my feet on it, because it's such a niche app. But I think it's worth me doing, because if just one place covers it, it's another link back to the website. And and all of that.
0: So this uh, is basically the press tour where you um write to as many journalists as as you can that are relevant yep. to the to the app.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to go and do that bit um knocking on doors as it were with through email. Mm-hmm. Um I like I say I don't expect that's really going to reap very much for me. So the thing I'm kind of trying to figure out now is if if that doesn't any it, it likely won't um, and even if it does, I'll see another blip if it does, but it won't necessarily sustain. So I've now got to figure out, well, what's my my broader pipeline going on? And the other question I've got is the sales I used to see, am I now putting them off with the new pricing arrangement now that I'm out of this this initial bit? Uh, and again, I'll, I'll figure that out over the next two or three weeks, I guess. All right. Uh, not a lot of dev at the moment, uh, very much just sort of, taking a look and seeing and then playing with other things outside of that
0: yeah but as we all know marketing is just as important as development
1: it absolutely is so i've got work to do and i need to be putting that work in over the next the next couple of days if not longer right So
0: another thing that you should be thinking about maybe is um temporary like rebates like so some 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 um some sale of of some sort where like hey if you buy the thing in the next x days, it's thirty or twenty percent off or something, because yeah. sometimes you can use that to generate more buzz down the line, like generate another blip, and then get all those people who who thought the original version was too expensive. Like if you go down twenty percent, then maybe they're like, okay, this is a good price now.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a possibility, and I can even also test. Flexing the price one way or another as well. Um, but but if I do that then that would be more of a silent test and just leaving it right. cheaper for, for say a week to just see what happens and then potentially even flexing the other way for some of the other bits and bobs as well. So, you know, like the the lifetime purchase for somebody looking at that, there may not be much difference between the price point it's at and a little bit more, for example so
0: yeah i the, get that
1: yeah um you know the prices i landed on have been through looking at competitors that have got paid up front apps and things like that having a feel for well what do i think is reasonable and just giving it a start from there so they they're not necessarily where they should be and that's something i can figure out as well
0: yeah pricing is hard though pricing is really hard like um what what helped me is that for telemetry deck is that I have a connection to my community because they are kind of the developers, so I can go into the developer spaces like like the telemetry deck Slack or other like Snacks or whatever, and yeah. just ask like what is this worth to you, and then I get at least a few data points. Like it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that I have to price it exactly that, yeah. but this is a conversation that I get to have, and for you that's probably harder. Maybe that um, maybe the Reddits. But yeah. the yeah, Reddits maybe. are a dangerous place.
1: They are indeed. And I'm, I'm wondering if there's value in me doing something like having a a Discord channel or something like that for it. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't use Slack uh, because I think the community is not really of a Slack-using nature. But Discord yeah, probably that. is. And, and that, um, that's something I could do. And I could certainly signpost that in a couple of places and, and, and uh, potentially even from the app as well.
0: I think that's a great idea actually, because it doesn't, it's not a lot of work, but no. having that, having that gives you like a more direct conne- connection to your most enthusiastic users. And you can, you can have that kind of conversation. And also like people who are in there, like if, every time they open discord, they get a tiny um, reminder that your app exists, that go yeah. VJ exists. And that's, that's also really helpful.
1: That's a good point. I, th- I actually really like that idea. I'm making a note right now. If you can hear me typing, yeah. <laughs> so I actually yeah. cannot. Um, I think that uh, that will be worthwhile. Um, and I can, like I say, I can signpost it in the app as well. Uh, what I might find is some people come to that for support. But again, if they go that route, they're they're motivated. If you've got to join a Discord to come and speak to me, then that's potentially more motivation than just dropping an email. So, yeah, awesome, cool. I'm gonna give that a go, and like I say, I am gonna start approaching places as well with the uh, the cold calling marketing bit. Um, awesome, good, and good if luck with that. I don't have an update for you on that, the next time we speak, you get to. Uh, I don't know what you get to do, but it's, there's gotta be something. I'm gonna I'm that gonna wag it.
0: my finger at you. I'm gonna be like uh-uh-uh.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. The Daniel finger wag. I need to avoid that. Um, yeah
0: the dreaded the dreaded finger wag
1: oh but yeah no you're absolutely right though to to ask me about that and prod me about that because it's the first advice i give to anybody else as well and i do think it's worth doing so i, I don't have the excuse of uh being in that baseline phase you know that time has passed in terms of waiting for the, the blip <laughs> to settle <laughs>
0: yeah but I mean like i mean you have you have other stuff as well in, in your life, and like go v j is just your side product, so it's okay to be like every ev like to just postpone stuff every now and then
1: yeah yeah i know that, I know that but but there's also another on the other thing.
0: hand, it's a labor of labor of love, so of course you wanna you wanna get it out there and you want people to use it and and be happy about it
1: yeah and it's also a vehicle for learning as well, so mm-hmm. if I don't do the steps, I'm not learning this side of it, right, but uh yeah, and and actually, I have to admit, uh, I I have been diverted a little bit last weekend. Uh, ooh, spent, yeah. Has uh, it has it
0: something to do with um with um a state of uh, fluids? Well, actually, not ooh. fluids, not solids, not fluids, but.
1: Somewhere in between, yeah. You Somewhere mean like in between, a gas yeah. or a sort of like,
0: yeah, something like steam
1: that. Steam or something, some sort yeah. of um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have to admit, Daniel, I have a case of the vapors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my tiny prods and 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 pushes have finally finally brought you towards towards the vapor side. Yeah, yeah. I've
1: I've had an idea for something, and this is not. It could be a new app, but it's actually more a case of, could I do this? Right. Just for
0: for new listeners, Vapor is a framework for writing server apps in Swift. So basically APIs and that kind of stuff.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. Well worth clarifying. So yeah, I've had an idea for something. It could be the base of a new app later on or something like that. But really, it's just a case of I was looking at this thing and going, hmm, could I make it work? And... The query here is, I want to. I want something where I can say, turn email into uh, JSON or something else that gets posted to a backend endpoint, and that endpoint then decides to go and store it in a database or do whatever. Sort of as the broad thing that I'm trying to explore, and I brought okay. it right down to, can I stand up an endpoint? Can I make it work? with the hosting that I've got on Linode in terms of, of routing through uh, a forward proxy that I've got set up that also handles things like um, let's encrypt and, and certificates uh, for SSL. And if I can do all of that and do this with Vapor, what does the code look like in Xcode and everything else when I'm editing it? How does it feel to to work with it? And, and last Sunday, I spent a few hours and, and answered all of those questions for myself.
0: Very nice. So what would yeah. the, the use case for such a thing be? So I could host this on my servers and then, or on your servers or whatever and then send an email to that thing and then later see all the emails it's received as a list, basically.
1: Yeah, the broader use cases that I get fed up of using third parties for um, managing support requests and those sort of things Mm -hmm. for my my apps. And I've been debating this over in the Waiting for Review Slack with a few people over the last few weeks. Periodically, this idea seems to come back to a few of us. And and I thought, "Mm, I wonder how easy it is to, to capture email in the first place and then get it to a place where you could then put it into a, like a, a support inbox sort of service later on.
0: And and how easy is that? I, I wouldn't even know where to start capturing email.
1: There are services out there that do the email to uh, JSON post type thing. Oh, me. nice. Yeah, and I sort of looked at a couple of those and go, well, okay, that's a starting point. That that does some of the legwork for me. And so then the question just becomes, if I can do that post from that service to my own endpoint, what does that look like? And can I start to grab that and put it in a database? Um, which kind of is, of course, by the time it's in a, a post request, then, uh, you know, you've done the hard work at that point yeah. in terms of manipulating the email and doing all, all you need to do there. So long story short, I've played with a hello world app from vapor. You know, I've, I've initialized a new project. It's the, the, Typical Vapor example, Um, I've then created my own routes inside of that and done a couple of bits that then print back to the console what they've received when a post gets made so I can start to look at at the payloads and check stuff's coming through. Uh, And then I have done the work of standing that up on my hosting and linking it through a Docker configuration uh, to my... uh, Proxy and everything else, and opening up firewall ports and things like that, and doing everything else I needed to do to sort of make it work. Um, and yeah, it took a f- couple of goes of figuring a few things out, but I got there in the space of sort of an afternoon and an evening. Awesome.
0: And yeah. um, do you have like a server background, or is it, or was your um, your experience as an iPhone iOS developer was that sufficient to set that all up?
1: Uh, I don't have a proper server background but i have enough from the last six months of playing with docker and setting up my hosting to then go and do this so i think of me as like somewhere between a a beginner and an intermediate in terms of just playing with docker and getting stuff talking to each other and and working on my hosting uh but zero experience really of, of setting up um the software side of an endpoint of actually coding those things.
0: All right. So so pretty low barrier to entry, you'd say? Like, for example, for people, if like someone is listening to this who wants to make like their own backend mm-hmm. to their own iOS app, that would be pretty feasible, right?
1: I reckon, yeah. And I would start with just looking at the Vapor documentation and following the examples there, and I wouldn't worry about anything like Docker. Like, right. you could... You can make it run inside of a a Linux that's running running Linux, and just follow the the steps to install what you need. For yeah, example, there's actually really
0: good that. step by step um, like articles. So if you just get like a tiny virtual machine, yep, and then here's the things you need to do: through this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and that's pretty easy. Like same with I think I think I started with DigitalOcean, but it's basically the same thing
1: yeah and that that's how i'd start if i was you know if i wasn't already down the line Mm -hmm. with with playing with docker and that sort of stuff that's how i'd start and i would just get something up and running that you can can play with you know
0: yeah that's pretty quick
1: yeah and actually playing on your local machine's easy enough as well obviously for development and that sort of stuff and again uh, the vapor instructions can talk you through that but what what I found is it's just as easy as hitting run from Xcode and then playing with a browser it and is, seeing yeah. what you get back. It's it's not that hard. And then
0: there's the really cool thing. If you use this as a backend for an, an a Swift app, for example, you know how in Swift you have um, these you can like have, have these structs and that you can encode and decode them into and from JSON, right? Yeah. And on in vapor you use the exact exact same, same thing. So you basically define the struct. Um, use that to send your post request to the server and then the, on the server you decode the thing using the exact same struct so you can put all your structs for example you can put them into a separate repository and yeah. you always have really easy API compatibility with the server and you don't have the thing like in other especially in more dynamic languages you need to really check if the data that's coming in is actually in the format that you want it to be whereas mm-hmm. in Swift it's just like the 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 server will exactly accept that struct. And if if it's anything else, it will give you actually a very helpful error message that says like, hey, this key is missing, or like this is not something that I want to deal with. And that's yep. so amazing. That's really nice.
1: That's awesome. And I can see you could use um Swift packages for, for managing that side of your Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you could do that too. Um potentially just separating it out as local packages as being part of how you how you manage it mm-hmm. yeah but the awesome thing is is that i'm in xcode i'm in my usual ide i've got all of my swift knowledge then compounds and, and writing the the endpoint certainly didn't seem difficult to me at that stage and you know it's really basic i, don't, I wasn't even playing with with linking to uh a Database or any of those things, but again, I can see how that would work because I would have a, a library. You, you've got Fluent, I believe it is, that that gives you wrappers for different databases. I think mm-hmm. that's the case. I'm not sure what you're using over in uh, in Telemetry Deck. Yeah, it's a
0: double strategy of Postgres and Druid, basically.
1: Right, but but then for talking to those databases from from Swift,
0: um, basically the Vapor the Vapor um ORM system. Yeah. So you can write database database queries yourself, but basically there's this, this Swift um, domain-specific language that allows you to just like say like, hey, give me all the things and filter them by this thing and then um, sort them alphabetically or something and then give me the first five. So that's really helpful because it's database agnostic. So you can start with SQLite, which is um, basically built in and you don't need to host any, any, any database servers, but then later you could upgrade to a quote-unquote proper database.
1: Right. And then you don't need to change your code along the way. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's I mean, exactly it doesn't it doesn't it. perfectly
0: work for me because I have a few queries that are Postgres only, so I have to write them in PostgresQL. But apart from those, uh, my code would actually totally work with um, with any other database, like with MariaDB, with MySQL, with uh, SQLite, whatever.
1: Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and I mean, I know other languages do that, other platforms do that. But it's still a first for me, you know, to sort of be, be going into this kind of world. And all of those sort of things are really helpful. I think like as a from an indie approach, if you're already writing lots of Swift code in your iOS apps, and then you need to work on a, a back end for that, this makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, okay, if you've got other skills already, if you're an expert in Ruby or something like that, you're gonna want to use the thing you're expert in. But if you're like me and you've never really bothered with server side stuff, this sort of feels like like quite a win. You know, like, like I say, I, I, just, I
0: totally, I totally get that. Yeah, I just and to, yeah, I can, I can recommend it to all ios developers or, or swift developers really yeah. who have who have like a need for a backend like the the road is like easier than any time before because you can use your our preferred language um vapor now supports async await so yep. uh, everything is very very clean and easy to to grasp and like easy to write especially with that async await um paradigm and so yeah like jump in the water's fine <laughs> Oh, that's
1: quite funny actually. I think Async Await has been the, the um the building block that has probably supported this for me quite a bit. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Like before Async Await, Vapor used uh, they used their own paradigm, which is uh, Swift NIO, which yeah. is I think somehow built by Apple. Like it's an it's an open source library yes. for um for asynchronicity. But it's way, way clunkier, and basically everything single function in your um in your vapor code would be like the dreaded pyramid of doom because it's callbacks within callbacks within callbacks, and then <laughs> the Swift compiler stops understanding what type of thing this is because it's just like like uh, angled brackets within angled brackets within angled brackets. Oof. Um, and that's yeah. the type of the thing that you're returning. And so as soon as the um, like the type inference leaves you uh, about four four or five layers deep, you're just very much out of luck. And yeah. just just um, snap your fingers. Everything like use async await now. Everything is so easy because you can just write it sequentially, and it looks really nice. Type inference just works. Uh, yeah. Compile time's amazingly fast. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Although, although to be fair, compiling a Vapor project from from scratch takes still, still takes ages because Swift NIO is still in there, and Swift NIO is like a huge project because everything that's in Swift async await and, and other stuff they kind of had to recreate this in Swift code. Yeah. So um, basically, you create a new Vapor project, add three files to it, and it's all, it's already over a thousand Swift files that need to be compiled <laughs> for the thing to run. <laughs> Yeah. So your your deployment and compile times will suffer a little bit, but that's that's one of the very few downs, downsides.
1: That's kind of funny actually. I, when I was compiling this on the server, and the console, you know, gives me every bit of feedback as it's doing that as well. So I could see all of the different files being compiled as they sort of start to come up, and you've got you know .dot c .dot cc, which I guess is C I think. Um,
0: no cpp is c++ i don't know what cc is
1: okay yeah um
0: oh wait okay google says cc is also c++
1: okay um oh. that w- i was guessing in the first place anyway and um obviously lots of swift and i was sort of watching this come by and it sort of feels like you know under the surface it's five hamsters in a trench coat kind of thing <laughs> it's it, there's a lot of levels to this um, and they're, oh, yeah. it's clearly working, you know. I don't say that to denigrate it. The the five hamsters are stacked appropriately and helping each other appropriately. Uh, but there's these layers to it that are clearly going into other types of code quite a bit. And certainly when you start linking it up with with other services on a server, you know you're you're then into to proper Linux land, as it were, in terms right. of, of of where it is and. That's okay. That's cool. I can, I can handle that. And I think if you're a new dev to this, you can handle it by just going, that's not my problem. If it's working, it's working, you know, and you can kind of just build up your knowledge step by step. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, yeah, it was quite funny just sort of watching it all, you know, compile and come up on the screen and I'm sort of sitting there going, if this gets an error, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. But, uh, no the law of
0: the stuff just works like yeah. when if something if and when something breaks it's very usually your code.
1: Yes. Yes, and that's certainly what I was finding. And the so- that's the other
0: thing like you can just deploy Swift code on Linux and it just works. It compiles, it works, it has almost all the APIs, it will tell you very clearly when something is missing. Yes or like there's like one instance where you have to import something that's just there on a mac but on on linux you just have to add the import statement for it i think it was like something with networking yep um but yeah it's 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 very much it just works
1: yeah yeah and and uh like you said before the water is now quite warm you know and i think uh, the 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 state of vapor today is for me like yeah I can jump on this I can play with this I can use it and that probably wasn't the case for me um, until quite recently in a lot of ways so it was
0: uh, yeah you're right like two years ago when I started it was um, it was a bit rougher I mean it was still pretty good to, to come in but I have the experience of like having written of having written like Python and Django servers for ten. 12 ish years i think yeah so i have a lot of experience already with um with how these kind of frameworks work and like what they expect and so i just needed to and i also know swift very well so i just needed to like figure out how this thing does it yeah and so so figuring out the whole swift NIO, nio thing was okay but now that's gone Like things are so much easier. And every time I touch a function that is still written in the old style, it's very easy to refactor it into the new style and then it's just way more pretty.
1: Awesome. And that that learning, again, can then come back the other way into your your app code base because we've got async await over there as well. And Mm -hmm. it it just feels like um, I'm spending my time productively in a sense that these things are all going to add up. So, I mean, obviously, I didn't need to be exploring this endpoint right there and then last weekend. This was a, a happy diversion because I just wanted to code something. But, you know, it's certainly not learning something that I'm only ever going to use in this one context, and I think that's that's really powerful as well.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, you should really do that do that issue tracking thing. Just put it out there. It's going to be like telemetry deck for support tickets.
1: I would love to do it and um, and I think this is something I'm going to be hacking away on bit by bit over time I mean Awesome Yeah we'll see I uh, this could also just be something that as soon as I've figured out the nuts and bolts of it I'm bored
0: of playing with it <laughs> Yeah that, that's that's totally valid too like just like and everything like not every side project needs to be exploited commercially
1: Yeah yeah, for sure. But um, if if it starts to come together and work, I'm definitely going to want to put it out there. So we'll see. I'll hack away at it. I'll make something that that works for me, or I'll lose interest and then definitely be catching up with you as I go go ahead with that or not.
0: Yeah, like do do keep us keep us posted.
1: Yeah, but uh, Daniel, tell me about how things have been going on your side. What have you been up to? <laughs>
0: So what I wanted to do was finish the stupid funnels, but... Um, <laughs> the stupid I, funnels? I haven't... <laughs> uh, like, I really want... Like, now I have all the puzzle pieces, basically. I just need to, like, put them together and write all the glue code and make it pretty and everything. Yeah. But it's still a lot of work. And somehow, every time I sit down to work on that exact feature, like, something happens. <laughs> um we uh, i had to do a lot of work to um to basically write my own employment contract because as of august one i am actually employed by telemetry deck so that's really cool but that like that that took took a lot of work then there was a few bugs that i needed to fix then there was um what else uh like i don't know like like just stuff kept on happening it was uh it was so frustrating like i mean it was also like all all kinds of important stuff but finally like a few days ago i decided okay there's enough stuff happening right now i'm gonna put funnels on my to-do list but if something is above above that i'm just gonna do the thing above that and not really worry about it yep um I had one rather important support request from a possible customer who really wanted uh, a change to the Swift SDK. So we actually, today I've been hacking on that a little bit. Okay. And that is cool because the, so the Swift SDK is the part of telemetry deck that you put as a Swift package into your app. And then, and then it, Sends the signals to telemetry deck that en- enable you to do do all these um analytics on them right yeah. so um so it turns out that on the mac this would sometimes report very unhelpful information it wasn't wrong information but um it, for example, would, um, wouldn't would tell you the exact hardware platform. Like on an iPhone, it would tell you exactly this is an iPhone 13,4, which is mm-hmm. Apple code for a specific model of iPhone. And on a Mac, it would just tell you this is a Mac. <laughs> even though, <laughs> right. even though um, um, like Macs have an API that can also tell you like this is a MacBook 18.2, I don't know. Um, I think mine is like an 18.4. Maybe. Yeah. Where can I see this? I don't, I don't know where I can you see can this. You okay. can okay.
1: information. If, so if you go to, um, hit the Apple menu.
0: Uh-huh. System report, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's right. So. You,
0: MacBook Pro 18,3. So it wasn't far off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm a MacBook Air 10,1
0: very nice. Okay, so now this is in there and then someone else um had a had a problem with the fact that their code could in theory run on um macOS 10.14 for example or iOS 11 but it would actually like prevent itself from running there because I hadn't tested it. So then I created this thing with GitHub Actions that would basically test this thing on all platforms that it needs to run on. So TVOS, OS, Mac OS, uh, iOS, and watchOS. Yeah. And then tried against all the different SDKs. And that's pretty helpful, actually. It takes a while to run on, on GitHub Actions, but uh, it found me a, not a ton of bugs, but a, a reasonable number of bugs that I wasn't aware of because I already added more tests. Yes. And so basically I was fixing those.
1: Awesome. That's that's exactly what you want. I mean, even if it takes a while to run, just getting that heads up before you've put something out, as long as it's sort of, you know, not like two or three days or something, if it's late, you know, if we're talking even, even just an hour or two, I think is still reasonable. If it's, if it's giving you that broader coverage, Um, you can work that into a release process at least.
0: Um, yeah, and then just now before we started talking, I actually was still on that, and um, so my tests show that under Xcode Xcode eleven and Swift five point two, uh, it doesn't compile. But I know that if I just like run the thing locally on on in Swift five point two, it just, it works. Okay. Uh, so I seem to have a problem with my tests, so, um, and someone. Um, Someone in the in the telemetry deck um Slack, uh hi Darren Jones, if you if you listen to this, you are very cool. Mm-hmm. Actually tried it out just when we started talking and told me that, yeah, this actually works. Okay. This actually works if um if you if you actually run it on hardware. So I, I kinda need to check if my tests are the problem. Ah. Maybe they're, maybe they're configured wrong that's less useful so, um,
1: at that point that's a lot less useful yeah um, hopefully you get that figured out because once you've got that that working um that coverage is so so powerful
0: yeah uh, and i also need to start testing it on on beta versions of macos and ios as well because right now i'm just testing up to all the um, released versions but at some point i also want to test on on the betas because I mean like they're going to be installed on a lot of um on a lot of people's phones soon so I should get I should get ready
1: yeah yeah and it gives you a heads <laughs> up.
0: <laughs> I mean I have xcode beta here so I can test it locally and that actually works I've, I've tested that yeah but for example um I am very afraid of installing the macOS beta because of this very podcast because someone told me that if you install um, a macOS beta, then Audio Hijack will refuse to even launch because I assume that they have gotten so many support requests that stuff didn't work on the last update or <laughs> the last beta cycle that they're, that they're just fed up and be like, hey, no, like we're not even launching because otherwise you're just going to send us email about unreleased software. <laughs> oh, wow. That- <laughs> which, is, which is delightfully spiteful. It
1: is, it is, and I think I can't say I blame them, to be honest. If I think about this, the, there's a couple of extra install steps you'd now have to do to install Audio Hijack. Right. And just for listeners' sake, this the Audio Hijack is the software we use to intercept our microphones and any other audio feeds and get a clean recording uh, for, well, while we do this podcast. So it puts... A, an element of itself, uh, a, a, a extension or something like that, in the appropriate place in the operating system, so that that can happen, is is my understanding of it. it you're then, it, it's then got a hook into the audio subsystem itself of macOS. It's Wait,
0: ACE. What does ACE stand for?
1: I'm unsure uh but my my understanding of the change is that this used to be a lot easier. mac OS has become more aggressive on its security in that sense, and there's now a whole bunch of extra steps that you have to go through including rebooting your mac uh and into a certain state to then get audio hijack properly installed these days.
0: Oh, okay. So ACE stands for Audio Capture Engine. So it's basically a a kernel extension for any rogue Amoeba product.
1: There we go. And yeah, the steps you have to run through these days are a lot more than they were, say, when I first started using this product, which was over five years ago now. And I don't think Apple have been very uh, helpful in the way that they've laid it out for them. You know, I mean, the, the ideal yeah, solution for, for somebody in this space is to have a, a product that you can just hit install and it just goes and there's now all these extra steps. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I get that Apple want to make Mac OS as secure as possible and that's actually a very, very good thing. But on the other hand, I feel like there's, they should be providing safe and secure extension points. And if something wants to record audio, um, that shouldn't have to require a kernel extension, I think.
1: No. No, it should be an extension to AV Foundation um, and, and some hooks into the, the system or something like that, Right. which I really wish existed because if it right. did and it was on iOS as well, uh, it would really open out the iPad for this sort of work.
0: Right. Exactly. Okay, and Rogue Amoebas say ACE is actually a standard audio plugin, not a kernel extension. However, it receives enhanced privileges to access your system's audio. So Apple uses their existing kernel extension verification system on macOS eleven and macOS twelve to allow ACE to load. Oof. And what that means is basically you um you you have to reboot your system and um it's and then into this weird in-between mode and then check a huge box that says reduce your security yeah, and then um, and then you can reboot install the thing and then you can reboot into the in-between mode again and <laughs> uh, increase the security again because it only needs that for installation one time right yeah and that's... still I really want to try out um, um, Mac OS 14 yeah 13 13 hold on yeah i ventura ventura like the pet detective basically um like really fun film but horribly transphobic <laughs> don't watch it yeah, today
1: yeah, yeah. but do you realize we, um, we were talking about Ace extensions as well so there's yeah. a pun
0: there's a oh pun in there. there is a pun in there definitely <laughs> <laughs>
1: so you want to find out if ace runs on ventura
0: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um, I, I I don't know. I I kind of want to try it out, even though I'm not very much into the um, the new um, like window management paradigm. Like that, like that's just Stage not attractive management. to me at all. Yeah, you know, right, exactly. Um, because I'm just a huge fan of expose and it works perfectly for me like i have a trackpad so i can do other nice gestures yep and then expose plus plus uh, multiple desktops that's just perfect for me but i want to see like what else is new like i want to see the the family sharing iPhotos. um and i don't know i just want to try the beta (laughs) (laughs) maybe i should just put put ios 16 beta on my phone maybe it's time for that it could be Just the the new hotness.
1: Uh I always have to wait uh with the betas. I, I I just make myself wait now, at least until we've got a public beta out, and then even then I tend to pick a sacrificial device at that point. Uh
0: yeah, it used to be used to be when I was still at physical WWDCs, I would go in there Monday. Monday morning, and be like, I'm not going to install. I'm not going to install the beta on my carry phone. I'm not going to do it. It's, it's going to be a horrible idea. And the longest I've held out was Thursday. <laughs> because you're just so tempted, and every day you hear about all these cool new features, and many of them kind of work with your existing data, so you kind of have to install them on your carry phone. And yeah, And I was just so excited for 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 just trying out the new hotness yeah. and in the recent years i mean the new features have become less um life changing yep. because of course all the low hanging fruit are now gone so you have the you have the i mean the cool home screen stuff is very nice uh, other things like live activities, they only work if you have apps that support them and they can't be in the app store uh, or, already. So you're not going to find more than one or two test flight builds maybe. Yep. Um, same with the, the the iCloud family sharing or the iPhoto family sharing. I mean, like that's going to be super interesting. But for that, like people in my family need to be upgrading to iOS 16 as well. <laughs> so so that's, that's not going to happen anyway. So I would very much like to have the new lock screens. Yeah. But that's not, like, tempting enough for me to reduce my battery life by half.
1: Yeah, no, that's Especially
0: fair. since my phone is now old enough that the battery life is pretty meh. Yeah. Already. So, yeah, I'm going to... How old's your phone for that? Um, It's a year, I think. Like, yeah, it's um the iPhone 12. Yeah. So... Wait, like there's a 13 out, and 13 came out last summer or last fall, right? That's right. So it's yeah. one and a half years, almost yeah. two years, actually. So and my, the things I just use my phone a whole lot during the day, so just the battery is taking a pounding.
1: That's quite interesting because I've got the same experience. I'm on a 12, and the battery's just started to to kind of tip in the last month, two months. Um, yeah, I
0: feel like I feel like two years is for most batteries that the tipping point kinda. Yeah. um, both with usage like which decreases their um, like their maximum load but also just with with time going by because it's a chemical device so it will always degrade a little bit even if you don't use it that much and even if you like I don't know cool it and everything like you will always have this degradation with um, lithium-ion batteries yes not as much as with previous battery technologies but it's just it's just there. So at some point I'm going to go to the Apple store just pay them 50 bucks to replace the battery and then this phone is going to be good for another year or two.
1: Yes. Yeah, my my intention um is to upgrade uh, later this year and then do the battery updates as well so I can then hand the phone down to to somebody in my family. Very uh, good. But yeah, and I think what I'm expecting with with ios 14 at that point is that some of these features like the um the home screen features and those sort of things are going to make even more sense on the new phone in one way or another i feel like they're gonna um not necessarily be crucial to that new phone but they're going to really show it off in terms of what
0: how, it does how so like do you mean do you think like the new phone is going to be like hardware wise differently or the hardware will do you think the hardware will look differently or what uh, in what way will they show it off more? I
1: think we're going to see the um the same thing as on the Apple Watch in terms of the always on display technology. Ooh! Yeah. Oh yeah, that's
0: very likely because the new um they may they practically have complications now on the on the home screen.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. that's very
0: likely. Now that you say it.
1: Yeah. And then there's rumors of a pinhole camera sort of replacing some of the um, the notch. I'm not sure that's necessarily going to happen but if it I've does,
0: heard those but I think those are like next year basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um but again I could see some of this this coming together with that a little bit. Um And
0: but, there's also these rumors of a periscope camera which they, yeah. if 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 Apple actually brings out a periscope camera that's going to make me buy a new phone definitely. But I also think that's at least a year away from what I hear.
1: Yeah. Yeah and, and that that would deliver Um, That would get rid of the camera bump. Is that right?
0: Uh, Basically, yeah. And it will also give you like 100x zoom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that would be an instant upgrade for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited for that. I think that would increase the camera quality very drastically. But of course, they have to find the space inside the device for that and probably like figure out how it works with lenses and mirrors and stuff like that. Yeah, but man, that's going to be cool.
1: Yeah, no, I look forward to to anything that that does that sort of an update. Uh, but yeah, potentially a new phone for me later in the year, and um, I think I'm going to hold off on installing the beta, um, and possibly even at all on my phone. I think it'll be my iPad that gets the the uh, iPad OS beta. Be yeah, a maybe. Thing. Yeah.
0: I, I'm just not using my iPad at all except for recipes while cooking these days. Oh, and sometimes I watch um, I watch Formula One on it, on it when I'm on the couch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, that sounds like an ideal sacrificial device, as it were.
0: Yeah, you're right. But then again, like, why would I even upgrade the thing if it does the the two things that I need it for? Like, it does it that does them perfectly, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Oh. But oh well,
0: I I will I will report back. Maybe like maybe at one point I will just um, break down and I want something new. But <laughs> I have like so much so much new things in my life these days. Um, yeah. Just with the company founding and everything, like that, my appetite for newness is pretty sated. So that's also probably why I'm not like jumping onto these betas. Oh, I
1: don't know. The way you're talking, I, I could see. The next time we speak, I think you may well have. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna report back.
1: Anyway, on that note, Daniel, I need to uh, to get on with the rest of my day. Yes, and uh, we should finish the show. So, before we go, where can people find you, Daniel?
0: I think if you have something to say to me, or you want to hear more from me, you should go to Twitter and follow me at Break the System. And you should also definitely check out uh, telemetrydeck.com, my analytics for apps. What about you? Where can people find you?
1: You can find me over on Twitter at David Gary Wood, or one word. Um, and the same over in the Mastodon Fediverse, uh, David Gary Wood at social.davidgarywood.com. That's how you know it's me. And if you want to check out GoVJ, that is govjapp.com.
0: Awesome. All right, Uh, David, it was amazing talking to you. And I'm very much looking forward to hearing from you again in two weeks.